coming to you not live from the bowels of the Mushroom Kingdom, deep hundreds of feet underground in a small steel bunker with only the world's greatest video games to keep us company and sustain us. That's right, we do eat the cartridges and discs once we're done with them. The Order of Gygus meets to decide the greatest video games ever made and which order they belong in. This is not funny. Nothing about this show is funny. It's a very serious show. There will be no jokes such as... If I wanted to play with Pooh, I would have called my dad. And there will be no hilarious sound effects. Such as, of course... (laughs) This is Video Games, a serious show. Let me introduce now those members who dared take this challenge and with all of the powers granted to them by Mother Gaia have made it their duty to talk intelligently about them. To my left, Connor McCabe. Praise the Mother. And to my right, Michael Hearn. I humbly offer my services. (laughs) And with that... I announce our very first game, the game that will start this entire process. Nintendo's Earthbound. My name is Jeremy Schmidt. You're with Connor McCabe and Michael Hearn, and we're talking video games, a serious show. This is a very not funny show where we go through a video game from to back, comb through it, sort of like a games club podcast. What do you say, boys? Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to finally be vulnerable about these video games. Good, yeah. Unlike our regular show yeah. where we're never vulnerable. Never. No more carapaces of comedy around us. Right. Mm-hmm. I think the irony of doing a show like this and calling it this is like, the comedy show is never that funny. <laughs> this serious show will not be that serious. Ouch. I mean, what I mean is we're never like, it's not like we're just doing constant bits. I We've got these shows as my real. Well, <laughs> yeah. Jeremy. You're real what? You're real bummer? Hey. 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 Look at this table's big. Earthbound. <laughs> serious. Uh, a game that adults, children, and even young women can enjoy. Uh, a quote that I pulled directly from a uh, Japanese commercial mm-hmm. for uh, Earthbound. Another uh, translation is a, a, exactly a game that adults, children, and even older sisters would like. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> so that even your so it's not just going to be the nerds who like this. No, game. no, even the hot older sissies. Yeah, are love it. It's not just the screeches. It's the Zach Morrises <laughs> and the, the Ren Stevens in the of this world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Ren Stevens. That is a much more. Or uh, our generation yes, pulled and say by the bell. Um, we have all played this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, maybe it's not safe to assume this, but I would throw out there: we all love this game. I, I do, do love this game. I do love it as well. Yeah, it is a. It, it is a. It's an interesting title. I think we picked it intentionally because we wanted to start with something a hard to talk about and oh, yeah. and lengthy and involved. Um, there's a lot of meat on these bones. I think that's safe to say. Oh, yeah. 
but we also, um, you know, I wanted to do something Nintendo, but I didn't want to do Mario. I didn't want to do something like that's outright maybe the most popular uh, game you could think of. So you don't assume too many people want to tune in for a long discussion on Mario. <laughs> well, well, people do. People do. I just didn't want to talk about that right out of the gate. I wanted to. I wanted to hit something you a little bit a more little obscure more flavor in yeah. your uh, first outs. Yeah, they I know think the Mario's so. are coming. They, the Mario's they will be coming, be. ladies and gentlemen. They will oh, be coming, boy. and we won't be going the the traditional route. We might do a, a right hook and a left hook. Maybe Sunshine we, first. I was gonna say maybe <laughs> we start with Sunshine first. We could do anything. We're crazy. End with Mario too. Yeah. <laughs> Lost levels. I had always heard there was like some pretty weird goings on in the background and development of this game and uh who doggy i was definitely right it was a very interesting wind up doing the research for this game Mm -hmm. um and i will also throw out there that we will be releasing the first hour of this episode um on our main podcast feed and then we will drop out from that feed and if you want the rest of the episode you will have to subscribe to our Patreon on what I'm assuming will be the $5 level. I'm just going to say it's going to be the $5 level. That's where all of our bonus content will, uh, will reside. Uh, so we'll, we'll go through just, we'll go through till about like, uh, the end of, uh, development and reception and, uh, and we'll send the rest. If you want the juicy rest of this hot, hot pod, you're going to have to give us some Give us cha-ching. Give us some cha-ching. Give us some money, honey. <laughs> Please, sir, may I have some cha-ching? <laughs> Serious. Um, great. So let's just start at the top. Earthbound, Yay. known as Mother 2 in Japan, mm-hmm. is a role-playing video game developed by Ape Incorporated and HAL Laboratory and published by Nintendo for the SNES the second entry in the Mother series. It was first released in Japan in August 1994 and in North America in June 1995. As Ness and his party of four, the player travels the world to collect melodies from eight sanctuaries in order to defeat the evil alien force, Gygus. That description of the game barely does any justice to what this game is all about. But before we get into it more... Yeah. I want to take a little deep dive into 1995. Fellas, mm. we were all alive. Yes. Correct? Mm. Cruising down the streets of I mean, sunny Los Angeles. Sunny Los Angeles. More, more alive than I ever was here, yes. Oh. <laughs> Eight-year-old Michael had it going on. Yes, for sure. Yeah, we have since died inside, but I yeah. mean, we were all alive both in and outside yes. back then. Um, I want, I want to go around the table and I want to get a, like, uh, what were we doing in 1995? What was a, what was a Connor McCabe in 1995? Let's start with you. Uh, I was, um, depending on the time of the year, four or five years old, uh, cause I turned five that year. Big you year. aged that year. I remember I that. I yeah. aged. Uh, I was, you know, in Modesto, California, probably doing a combination of playing the regular Nintendo, r- learning how to read Running around, not a lot of memories. Uh, we had just moved into my, uh, the house that my parents live in now. So, oh great, uh, very fresh time. Was that in 1995? You guys moved there. We moved in 1994. Oh okay, yeah. When yeah. I was, th- I want to say three or so. If only yeah. this game had also come out in 1994. Yeah. If only I'd had a Super Nintendo. Michael Hearn, you were you said you were eight years old. That's correct. 
Tell me, what's an eight-year-old Hearn doing? All right. Well, not too much from a currently 32-year-old Michael Hearn. Uh, <laughs> playing a lot of video games, wondering what life's all about, wondering if I'll ever discover it. Uh, but <laughs> I did have... I did have... And this... I think Super Nintendo was kind of the system to really get me into gaming a lot because I started to get more involved into what games were. I remember having like a book on Super Mario World that kind of not only like was a walkthrough a little bit, but was also like, and it's like sort of this like a history behind how Super Mario World was developed, a discussion of it, some oh. of the differences in the oh, history wow. of Mario. It was an interesting book, and yeah. then um, of course I was a Nintendo Power subscriber, and I did in fact I think it wasn't that year, but I think like next year or the next couple of years I did get Earthbound. Mm. Oh I yeah, have it. And I remember being savvy of it because of the infamous advertisement where in Nintendo Power you would open up and there would be scratch and sniff stickers, or not stickers, they were just scratch and sniff on like a paper, and it would be like a picture of a pizza and you would scratch it and it would smell funky. Yeah. And not then, like a regular pizza, mind you. This would smell like what? Like a booger pizza? Yeah. This was like 90s trash comedy. It was like just... <laughs> You know, classic 90s crass comedy where you scratch it and expecting to smell something interesting and it stinks. And then you flip the page and it says, this game stinks. And that was its advertisement campaign for Mm -hmm. North America. (laughs) Somehow it worked on me and I got the games. We are going to get all up into that Play It Loud campaign that led to those awesome scratch and sniff um, uh, uh, stickers that would appear in Nintendo Powers and various game magazines. But before we get too far away from it, though, I do want to ask you, do you remember what it actually smelled like? Can you like... Can you like uh, uh, find that sense memory in your bank? I and- mean, what I, what's immediately coming to me is like feet stuff, like feet stuff, stinky nice. shoes, smelly feet. Yeah, uh, the Tarantino edition. I've yeah. got a whole book called Feet Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in 1995, I was also an eight-year-old boy. I was oh, also yeah. playing my Super Nintendo a lot, but I was definitely not playing Earthbound. I'll mm-hmm. tell you that. I did not discover Earthbound until I was well into my adult years. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know it existed. Honestly, I didn't know about Earthbound until Super Smash Brothers. Same here. And even after Super Smash Brothers, it took me a while. I think it was Melee had to come out before I finally googled what the hell Ness was who's this Ness guy all about I don't know what I thought it was I assumed it was just Japanese and I would never understand it Mm -hmm. Um, but Earthbound uh, yeah no I definitely wasn't playing that I was playing a lot of like Man, I remember doing some this weird thing where I would just obsessively rent Batman Returns over and over again <laughs> on VHS. No, 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 on Super the Nintendo video game. Yeah. Video game. It's a great beat 'em up, but over and over again. No, no. I could have rented that one time, gotten my money's worth, and moved on. But not me. It was all about Harley's humongous adventure. Hook <laughs> the game, oh, and yeah. Batman Returns the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, I was also in California, and then Hearn, where were you? You weren't in California. I was in Philadelphia, Philadelphia, the city of uh, brotherly love. Correct. Mm. Yeah, sitting um, right outside the Liberty Bell, playing my Super Nintendo. Without That's really right. fanatic. Yes, yeah. exactly. He he cheats. <laughs> do not, of course, do not throw dice with the Philly not, fanatic. Hell not su- no. Not yeah. surprised. But um, sitting around in our underwear in our little baby boy uh, panties playing video games was not what everyone was doing in 1995. Uh, I will go through the list of other big world events that were happening in 1995. (laughs) The Oklahoma City bombing, April 19th, 1995. 168 people, including eight federal marshals, were killed. Uh, Large earthquake in Japan strikes. Conviction of Sheik and nine followers over bombing the World Trade Center. 
OJ Simpson is found innocent. So, you know, silver linings to so, every... So this is the world that Earthbound <laughs> was trying to make a statement in you guys. Yes. This was what it had to work with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the first uh, Tibetan Freedom concert was in 1995, which is pretty cool. Wow. Uh, you guys want to... just? I want to throw out a couple bands you think would have played this uh, this concert. Radiohead pre the bands. <laughs> uh, I do not see Radiohead in the list. Uh... I bet you can get one of them at least, but there are there's f- six bands listed here. If I can guess another one, maybe sincerely Hootie and the Blowfish. Oh no, but that's a good ah. guess though. Think more Stevie obvious, Nicks. more big, more big and obvious. Stevie Nicks. No, we got Beastie Boys. What? We got the Foo Fighters. Oh, we got Smashing Pumpkins. Interesting. We got the Red Hot Chili Peps, and oh. we got a Tribe Called Quest. Probably the whoa. Oh damn. Between all those, I think Tribe Called Quest and Beastie Boys would be the most exciting. I know. To see. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, tribe for me for sure. Um, and let's not forget that the Ebola virus does hit in 1995. Wow. Uh, 244 people. Jeez. Oh, guys. In 1995, we lose Jerry Garcia. Quite so possibly the, Ebola, the person yeah. responsible for Earthbound. Damn. Because <laughs> you That's know rough. the people making this game were smoking some of that sweet, sweet Garcia. That's some good shit. I should play this at the beginning of every road trip I go on. It's it very good. Get out it makes you feel moving. like you're, yeah, you're really going to something. Yeah. Momentous. Uh, yeah. It's upbeat. It's light. It's like you're not jaded yet. No. There's still it's just yeah. positivity. Like, this is going to go great. Yeah, youth is still happening and flourishing all around you. I'm not going to fight a giant pile <laughs> of shit at all. <laughs> Okay, so this game was written and designed by Japanese author, musician, and advertiser Shigesato Itoi and produced by Satoru Satoru Iwata. Satoru Iwata. Satoru Iwata. Former president of Nintendo? Yes, former uh, presidency of Nintendo. R.I.P. Yeah, Um, legendary. These two two figures are legendary, and they would shape a lot of what Nintendo would end up becoming, uh, specifically Iwata. But uh, Itoi, um, when I was looking through, sort of trying to get some frame of reference for uh, what Itoi would have... It was... he's, He's like a big personality he's like yeah. a sensational like uh japanese just all-around personality uh earthbound is not the only game based on him uh, uh he also has a self-titled bass fishing video game <laughs> oh yeah i did not know that <laughs> but like I, I i was trying to figure out like what so he's just sort of like a lyricist and a poet and like uh he writes stuff and he's like a voice actor in to- uh my neighbor totoro mm-hmm. yeah he's the father in the japanese uh version of my neighbor Totoro. He's yeah, yeah. like he's kind of like a beat Takeshi type where it's he's like, like a modern celebrity, like to yeah. like a today celebrity. But I was trying to think of like what would be a, a US equivalent and all I could mm. come up with is something like maybe I don't know, Truman Capote, something like that. Exactly. Like uh like a like somebody who just was famous for doing stuff, but not really any one thing specifically. Sort of a renaissance person. He, he seemed so this person I'm about to mention I think has just reached bigger heights more popular heights i don't know decide for yourself donald glover oh sure but it very different uh i guess things that they ended up doing right but i that's that's actually great Mm -hmm. this this i i get the sense that it would be if like donald glover and 
Bethesda got together <laughs> and made. That's not a. I, I want that. I want that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I Bethesda, want that. Donald Lover, whoever's listening to this, it's that's in your ballpark. Go yeah. for it. <laughs> that's a that's a free a first yeah. free nugget for you. Hey, yeah, yeah, and uh, and yeah, you know, make it good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mother 2's development took much longer than planned and came under repeated threat of cancellation. A toy has said that the project's dire straits were resolved when Iwata joined the team. Um, I take this to mean a lot of things. Me and Connor were kind of talking about this off mic, but you get the sense that Iwata was sort of like a, I don't know, what would you call him? The, uh, the cleaner, you know? Mm-hmm. If your project was in trouble, you call the cleaner. Yeah. He's like the wolf in Pulp Fiction. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He comes in. He takes care of all your bad shit, all of your uh, bad programming uh, choices, and uh, I mean, it's like they brought in a sh- competent showrunner for like a brilliant like writer. Yeah, almost. Yeah. Um, it'd be yeah. like if it'd be like it'd be like yeah, if the writer was getting deep in the weeds of yeah. like not being able to structure his stories correctly, mm-hmm. you'd have somebody. The network comes in and mm-hmm. you know makes it good. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Berg, Alex. Mm-hmm. From uh, the, yeah, the Seinfeld guy who oh Alec Berg Alec Berg not Crash Bandicoot Alex That's Berg burned. is which one's which Alex <laughs> Berg is the teacher from UCB who also is the actor in the Crash Bandicoot I thought that was Alec Berg no Alec wow. Berg is the like, TV I'm thinking of yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm thinking of Alec Barry. Berg. I am not thinking of the guy with the camo shorts yeah <laughs> I mean, very cool guy that's, that's a joke <laughs> for no one else but yeah. us yeah. yeah. Um, Unless you've seen the Crash commercials, this is a video does game. Does he podcast. wear those camo shorts in that commercial? No, he's in the crowd. Well, his face sticks out. You of like can't a, see it to be sure, but yeah. yeah, he's probably under the outfit. Yeah, I should have him on the show. You should. You he's really in the should. Games. He he's in the VGs. He's a Switch guy. Yeah, I should talk to him about Crash. We should talk Crash. Oh yeah. boy, a whole Crash episode. Would a you Crash like? episode. But yeah, yeah. It'd be like an Alec Burke type <laughs> coming in. <laughs> 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 I, mean, just uh, I thought we were going to talk about Barry. So I loved the episode with the karate guy yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> alex Burke's like great i don't care yeah yeah um the game continues mother's story in that gygus reappears as mm-hmm. the antagonist can i just say uh, I, I played mother and i thought mother two was more of like a reboot because mother one has so many weird things like in the original translation mm-hmm. like yes like instead of being called ness his name is actually ninten right like digest is a different name and it kind of just plays out the same plot a little bit it's mm-hmm. like it sounds a little more elaborate and has a lot more going on but I, that's why it's weird it's like and the four it, characters aren't the same are no, they no 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 yeah it's weird yeah but I, they're similar it's like similar archetypes so, in ways yeah it's a similar thing that's why i always took mother two to be like a reboot rather than it was like a dr- the mother one is like a I'm just literally stealing this word from Retronauts, but a dry run of sorts. Yeah. Of what this could be like. No. Yeah. Each one, each one kind of gets more advanced and like mm-hmm. the mechanics for sure, but also just in terms of story, I figured it mm-hmm. was just redoing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I can't confirm this from any other of my research other than just the Wikipedia article. So yeah. take this with a grain of salt, All but right. it doesn't. Um, Apparently, giving you the option to choose the player's name was uh, giving you the opportunity to literally name him Ninten again, mm-hmm. if you wanted to, to carry out further Endurous. the story of of, uh, of Mother One. Um, he considered interstellar and interplanetary space travel instead of the confines of a single planet in the new game. After four months, Itoy scrapped this idea as cliche. Itoy sought to make the game that would appeal to populations that uh, were playing games much less. 
Such as girls. <laughs> Specifically, older sisters. Older sisters. sisters. Tired of younger brother's crap. Um, <laughs> so, like, what does that mean if we were to parse that? I, uh, that is curious. Because, yeah. like, what's coming to mind immediately is that Dragon Quest games are a phenom in Japan. And the whole thing is they're bought and played, like, weekend of by mm-hmm. d- gamers of all types of businessmen, of brother, right. like, little kids. Yeah, a slime is kind of like a Mickey Mouse in Japan. Yeah. It's like people just have them. As stuffed animals around. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, what is this, like, supposed to be the quirky, like, offbeat, like, more artistic version of, like, a Dragon Quest appeal to, like, the sister who doesn't care about beating up golden slimes? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm I'm wondering what specifically, aside from just being more intricate, that or found it, has over, like, it, a Dragon Quest. It almost, Quest. to me, like, that made me think of something for the first time, was it's almost like trying to reach an audience that's like, I'm too cool for this. I mm. need to be, not wowed, but entertained. Yeah. And I think I, this game didn't pull, end up pulling in that audience, but I think it still accomplished that goal. Sure. It's like, it's like what, knowing that community or... So, or like I think you should leave are great shows before everyone else. It's like you're in on this amazing, yeah, like yeah, fresh way of telling a story, right? Sort of. Yeah, it's for sure a cult game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think less in Japan probably is it a cult game than in America for sure. It's a yeah. it's a cult classic, but in Japan you get the sense that it was pretty widely received. Yeah, pretty well. Um. The game's writing was intentionally quirky and goofy, believe it or not. I believe it. Uh, <laughs> and written in the Japanese Kana script, so as to give dialogue a conversational feel. Mm. Itoy has said that he wanted the player to feel emotions such as distraught when playing the game. And boy, did I feel distraught <laughs> playing this game. Uh, he accom- Mr. Itoy, you accomplished that in spades. Many of the characters were based on real-life personalities, for instance... The desert miners were modeled on specific executives from a Japanese construction <laughs> company. Fun. Interesting. That he interacted with? Like, I want to know. know. I don't know. They can't yeah. be culturally famous constructors. Or, or maybe something. there was, like, some incident in yeah. Japan about some site, and these two bozos got interviewed. I don't know. No. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no I imagine it's yeah. sort of, I'm sure a lot of the appeal of it being a cult game in America is there probably are, like, references to 94 Japan like mm-hmm. <laughs> culture that we're never going to understand and it just comes out of left field for us like mm-hmm. we're never going to get is fuzzy pickle a thing is the guy dropping down to take photographs randomly like a reference to something right yeah. instead yeah. For just, it's just this very interesting flavor that comes out of nowhere mm-hmm. and right like, this is entertaining well and something that isn't exactly explicitly stated in the last couple things that i've been reading the last couple of paragraphs i've read is like this game is not just it's it's modeled specifically after you uh, like Western mm-hmm. culture. Yeah. it's like modeled. It's like it's like it's supposed to mirror America. Yeah, it's like small uh, town America. Exactly. Japan, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, hence like the baseball bat being a weapon. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like Yo-yos. that. Hamburgers, Yo-yos, is your hamburgers. Food. Yeah, totally. That's on your dad. That's oh uh, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll probably talk about that later, but. When is a good time to discuss just like how specifically how different this is as an RPG as oh. far as the mo- the setting and and yeah. whatnot? Do we want to uh, We could probably off? wait to gameplay okay. to, to do yeah. that because I, I feel like that's that no, 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 no. Uh, please, this is a dry run. This is a this is the first time this we're doing this. This is a mother one this. of a. <laughs> this is the mother one of a podcast. Mother two will be Resident Evil. <laughs> <laughs> and Mikey will be on that podcast. Yeah, uh, Mikey will be primed and ready to go. 
the idea for the rolling HP meter began with pachinko balls mm-hmm. that would drop balls off screen upon being hit. This did not work as well for characters with high health. Instead, around 1990, they chose an odometer-style hit points counter. The bicycle was one of the harder elements to implement. Uh, it used control similar to a tank before it was tweaked. Those were not. Those were two separate yeah, ideas. Yeah. By the way, they sounded like they were like one. Uh, but yeah, I think that that is a, that it was that, that odometer style hit box is something you'll never see that again. I'm I'm just gonna throw it out there. I don't think I've seen it's it. It's rare. Since. It's on Mother Free. I'll show you that. But um, oh sure. But yeah, just the idea of it is kind of a cool thing of because every and we can talk more about how it works in the gameplay sense. But right. It is just like that is another little element of like oh you have a chance like this is this is a style choice. This is also like. Specific like purpose to it, but it, it gives right. it a very yeah. specific mechanic yes. to the game, yeah, which the I think is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes. That again, I don't. I I'm going to predict you will not see this in in any other game other than I guess Mother Three. But like, I mean, in another series, in another yeah. Like I think most RPGs tend to go with just more of a serious like linear. You get dealt those hit points. They're t- coming out of your salary, young boy. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. I'm going to... Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the people come you to your house docked. and are and you're leaving and just with a barrel around your body because yeah. they oh, took all your stuff. Yes. Yeah. You are stark naked under that barrel mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. And you're fully erect. Let's, let's be yeah. honest. Let's make an RPG with that hit point status <laughs> where you start as a rich man flaunting your dollars and the lower you get down yeah. to death, it's, it's a you flip in a barrel. Book. It's a flip book. Yeah. Whereas it goes by, you go from rich to poor. All right. Yeah. Donald Glover Bethesda. <laughs> Come on. This is... Yeah. Any gold. Uh, the reception of this game in the United States? Unsuccessful. Nintendo spends huh? $2 million on what I will call bad marketing. The game's atypical marketing campaign was derived from the game's unusual humor. As part of Nintendo's larger Play It Loud campaign, Earthbound... This game stinks campaign <laughs> included foul smelling scratch instead of advertisements. Now, we did talk about yeah. this in the pre roll, but I mean, you mean a little bit of like understanding of what we're coming from with its cultural things. Right. I think it was just a thing of Nintendo of America not reading the room well enough or not trusting American audiences enough to be like, let's just pitch just crazy Japanese thing we got. Instead, they're like, oh, how can we make this appeal to the Beavis and Butthead crowd or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, how can we make it appeal to American youth? When instead, they could have probably gotten more mileage out of just showing it off as it is instead of trying to play it off as a game it's not. Totally. Um, like, Katamari Damacy came to mind as just like, that was a PS2 game where they just let it go out into the ether and it's like, hey, this is this crazy Japanese game you can buy for 20 bucks. And yeah. it became a cult game pretty quickly. This one took a lot more time because the pitch was just mismatched. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Connor. I mean, of course, this is this game, this whole marketing, the marketing campaign for this game is famously like one of the worst of all time, if not the most, just like devastating to a game. Right. But it's it's it is perplexing that they did that because not only did they not adhere to the play it loud stuff that you probably could have found about this game, yeah. but it's just like no, it stinks. There's a we happen to have a puke character. <laughs> Let's do a whole marketing <laughs> thing off that. Uh, it it seems like just. Ah, it's it's a little mind blowing. Yeah. That's I would understand. I understand why they chose to do this. I don't understand why they chose what to do with they did. This specific route yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I was a child of the '90s. I remember the '90s very well. It was all about puke, booger, gross, red and stimpy, Rocco's modern life, mm-hmm. Beavis and Butthead type humor. And I and I get that. 
And I guess if you're Nintendo and you're launching what you're is your Western approximation of a Japanese style game, you would you take this opportunity to do that. But it's like again, I mean, it it's they're literally saying like this game sucks. This game's yeah. not good. Like that this game stinks. I mean like there's got to be some sort of psychological even like uh repercussion for like just the delivering the information like uh we hate this almost or this is yeah. not worth your time or something. Mm-hmm. I I do however think that like if you look go back and watch any of the play it loud uh era commercials it's all fucking nightmare. Mm-hmm. Like it is like I remember like the Yoshi's Island commercials like a person eating food until they explode. Do you guys remember yeah. this? Yeah. Well, I've I've heard so much about it to where I feel like I can't. I do yeah. know the commercial. That's like the cutest yeah. crayon drawn like video game yeah. ever made, and it just features like a, a a guy in a, like a dingy, disgusting apartment just eating food until they explode. They yeah. Pop. Yeah. They they made it into that. One part in seven, basically. Yes, yeah. 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 Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> the, the opening Gluttony. of seven. It's like what happens right before Brad Pitt enters the yeah. the apartment. He was ready to play some Yoshi's Island. <laughs> now, while the the reception of this game left a lot of people, you know, wanting. I guess just wanting or not even knowing about it. Because when I was a kid, I I knew about games. You know, I wasn't like I wasn't subscribed to Nintendo Power, but I definitely like would go to grocery stores and open up a Game Pro, open up a Nintendo Power at the time. And uh, I just didn't know this game existed. And, and, and by the time by the time it kind of came out, if you weren't like renting or going to stores in that six month period before the N sixty four came out, I mean, we're about to like have a complete takeover where everything is Mario sixty four. I in my a in year my later it happened. Yeah. A year later, yeah. then and Super Nintendo to yeah. me was a dead console that I didn't want to yeah, even look it, at. This was near the end of Funtrolands. This was near the end of mm-hmm. places where you could see stuff like Nintendo sixty four games and Super Nintendo Nintendo games coexisting. Instead, it right. just became no. We got focus on the later generations. Yes. So, uh, however, I will say the legacy of Mother Two Earthbound is actually quite good. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly. Um, Mother 3 was eventually released for the Game Boy Advance, and that's after a lot of talk and E3 announcements for Mother 3 being released on the Nintendo 64, which got a lot of people pretty hyped up. Um, it, this game, however, has never released in America, mm-hmm. and I would say it still hasn't been released to a lot of people's confusion. What do you guys think? I mean, what is your take on Mother 3? I mean, we won't get into it too much because... You know, we are talking about Earthbound, but I do feel like Mother 3 is in this conversation a little bit. Yeah. Absolutely. So what the hell? I mean, I think it just missed the window of like, not maybe not full on relevancy because it is kind of like Earthbound in the series is very influential, especially to indie RPGs, especially to still to some degree of what Nintendo does with like their offshoots. But I think just in terms of Mother 3, the actual property, like if it's just released as is it might people might not be as hyped about because it's like it's a still that old school game it's still that like there's not a big advancement for it to be like that well received as opposed to like even collection of man is still kind of like a niche thing right people are like Mm -hmm. there's only a specific Mm -hmm. amount of people are going to be excited about sight and densetsu free coming to the u.s finally yeah so i think my point yeah i don't know it's tough like i mean it, the only way I could see it really going for it is if there's like a fourth entry somehow and then it becomes a big bundle. But even then, like no one's yeah. going to play Mother 1 that much. I mean, I'm looking yeah. at the release of Star Fox 2 
yeah. for the SNES Classic. Yeah, and I'm thinking when that, that happened, almost anything can happen. Mm. And so I'm thinking maybe in in a weird scenario where they release a collection of GBA games yeah. on a Switch, maybe Mother 3 could maybe get no, released in there. Localized. No, that's the play for sure. Like, Yeah. I, yeah. It can't be its own thing anymore. It's just my only right. concern. Um, although it has like because and I and because of this next bit of information, I think it, it's become quite a bit more popular than it ever would have been just on its own. Um, Ness and Lucas, the protagonists of Mother Two and Three, are in Smash Bros. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I'll never forget playing the original Smash Bros. on N sixty four, not knowing who the fuck Captain Falcon was, not knowing who the fuck Ness was. Um, and uh, and then yeah again even worse with Lucas I yeah. guess it was Lucas melee was that right after that was brawl that, yeah I think so was Marf and Rory melee they were melee okay because that also is kind yeah. of a niche choice of like you know us didn't know much about fire emblem mm-hmm. either right that was I remember that I was very right up on melee when it happened mm-hmm. and I remember being um, not like. interested enough to want to like follow Roy and Marth but blown away enough to be like oh they can do this with this game now yeah this is gonna reach because Ness was a stretch for me too Mm -hmm. and so was Captain Falcon I knew who he was barely just through F-Zero but Ness I had no idea nobody Mm -hmm. had nobody had Earthbound that I knew when I got to finally play Super Nintendo like 10 years after it came out yeah so for sure Um, an interesting fact about uh, Smash Brothers Melee is uh, Sakurai updated the original um (coughs) The original uh, profile on Ness in July 17th, 2001, said that Lucas was meant to replace Ness as a playable character, but Whoa. Ness was included due to time constraints and likely due to the cancellation in 1999 of Earthbound 64, mm. the first version of Mother, of Mother 3 that had been worked on, where Lucas would have definitely been a main character. So I think the idea was like, okay, every Smash Bros, we put in a different, a different uh, <laughs> mother. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. But as it is, yeah, it's just Ness and Lucas, and then you can find Ninten as a spirit now oh. in uh, Smash Ultimate, yeah. and I gotta say, his face, <laughs> <laughs> we looked at this last time you were over here, we did. his eyes are very far apart, mm-hmm. he's a weird looking specimen, he does not look like a Ness or a Lucas. No, his his head is like an upside down triangle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, for sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, any thoughts about the development or the reception of Earthbound or even your, your thoughts as a kid on Earthbound kind of, uh, leading up to, I guess the next thing we'll talk about is the gameplay, but, um, any, any closing thoughts that you had on just this whole shebang getting started? It's, um, it's kind of amazing to me that it ever even came together. And that even after Iwata, I'm surprised that when he came in, they weren't like, no way. This is like a risk. We have just like this. We've already lost so much money. Let's not lose more money. But instead, they decided to believe in um, Etoy's vision, I guess, and what he wanted to do and his personality. And they were, I don't know, it's just amazing to me that they actually stuck with it. Yeah. And that they like bought into so many of his ideas. Also, one thing I wanted to share is that he wrote every line of dialogue for Earthbound. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And he wouldn't even like write them himself. He didn't know how to like program a game or make a game, but he had, he did have an intern who would input all of the dialogue for him and he would change certain lines that he would wrote or pitch based on this intern's reaction to it right so this is based on like a one guy pitching jokes to one intern <laughs> or all the jokes in this whole every person you talk to yeah 
And I mean, we will get more into yeah. it during the writing mm-hmm. portion, but it is a hilarious game. Uh, one of the things that sets it apart is the script and probably the fact that it was written by a, an actual writer. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that most video games aren't written by writers, obviously. That is a logical or weird <laughs> trap. But yeah. um, no, whenever you get, I feel like a bigger name or uh, talent on a project, it really shows. And it definitely shows in Earthbound. Um, I will. I will. I want to switch uh, two things up. I want to talk about the graphics first before we get into uh, the gameplay. Um, so I guess the graphics would technically be the first thing you see when you turn on the game, and uh, thus I kind of wanted to get everyone's sort of reaction to the graphics of Earthbound. Um, and her now you said you have played Mother One. Yeah. So you could even compare it a little bit to the NES version of this game. Yeah, I recall the Nintendo version being a little more not maybe not drab, but like it's a little more limited in its star palette and the whole thing of the sixteen bit system of Super Nintendo versus the eight bit system of Nintendo. Right. Uh but yeah, Earthbound it's obviously very colorful, very upbeat, very bright, very vibrant. Um and I mean just character's design is still kind of like it it's even kind of similar to how it was designed on Nintendo. It's very pixel art, very similar but there's a lot of character in it in the Super Nintendo version. Like they managed to find ways to like make each character stand out from one another, and so like there's even interactions. Obviously, we'll compare that. But just the um, I don't know, just a very welcoming feel of it is what I take away from it. Just... Yeah, I think I think uh, the thing I'm most uh, struck by whenever I turn whenever I turn on this game, no matter where I am in it, uh, uh, you know, coming into a save state, is it's so fucking colorful. It is the mm-hmm. most colorful game I think I've ever played, mm-hmm. outside of like Super Mario World and Yoshi's Island on the SNES. You know, like it, I mean, it's right up there along with those games of like just beautiful. Like you go back and play some of the Square RPGs on the Super Nintendo, and yes, they are very they they look amazing and they're very colorful and they're cool, but n- not in this way. They're no. dark. They're dark. Yeah, I was about to say Super Mario RPG might be the darkest RPG. Oh, <laughs> and that's just like the tint of the game yeah. too. Yeah. It's like a dark haze over yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. But I mean, like, uh, I feel like fu- every time I think of Final Fantasy VI, I'm yes. thinking of like some dark, yeah. snowy, gross town. Yeah. 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 And yeah. even like Final Fantasy IV, which is still like kind of colorful, like Greenfield stuff, it doesn't have that same pop that like Earthbound had. No. And smoothness of yes. texture. Like oh, everything sure. is very smooth and textured inside of. Uh, inside of earthbound i like the trees look just like like fruit you know you shouldn't want to eat fruit in a 16-bit game but yeah. i kind of do <laughs> it's, all, it's all to scale too hey man live your life yeah then that is an interesting thing including the i mean this and if we i mean not not exactly to scale but you're like yeah you're kind of right huh yeah at least on the over well the overworld um yeah, it is, and there is no like world map. I was gonna say there almost there is no overworld. Yeah, it, you are you are dropped into the world, mm-hmm. and that is you know if you want to go back from town to town, b- 
before you get a certain ability, yeah. you have to walk your ass from Foresight all the way yeah. back to Onet. And it's not like walking in a Final Fantasy game where once you leave Onet, you're on the world map and you walk into the icon oh. of Tucson. Right. You just walk through the path that takes you there. You're crossing highways yeah, sometimes. You are. Yeah. It's nuts. Um, yeah, it's very colorful, artfully done, original sprite work, a cool suburban setting. I would say that uh, it, another thing that sets it apart from other JRPGs is that this isn't a fantasy world. This isn't a sci-fi world. This is our world. There is an ATM machine where you have to yeah. take out cash like a human being. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not like it is. Uh, it shouldn't be fun, actually, but somehow it is like calling my dad on the phone kind of fun it's weird it's one of those things where it's like you would think that doing you go to games to like escape and get away from reality but it's like well we also play games like animal crossing where i'm just going to work for tom nook yeah and you like why would you play a game where you go to work isn't that where you go to fight dragons yeah Yeah. (laughs) but and then in this game it's a similar thing it's like you're if you were a little kid who had this game yeah you could just go outside and walk around and find your friends and yeah stuff but it it still was fun. I I would uh, for people who are you know who've maybe never played the game who are looking for some approximation of what this game kind of looks like. Picture like a sixteen bit, very colorful version of Pokemon. I would say that mm. Pokemon yeah. is feels a lot like this game. I think also how also how and also I think um, a lot of people who worked on this game yeah, worked on from eight. Yes, mm-hmm. that's true. I, so I, I think that yeah, that that's it. But the one difference is, um, and this this goes into both graphics and gameplay, in this game, and I don't know why they did this, and I guess just to make it stand out from other JRPGs, but you can walk in eight different directions. Mm-hmm. That is uncommon. That is incredibly uncommon. That means they have to animate not four different sprites movements but eight different sprites yeah Yeah. every sprite can move in eight different directions thus just like doubling the work it would take to Mm -hmm. program all of these but but that also means we get we have a model i have a i have a i have a screenshot of ness walking caddy corner (laughs) which is like pretty unique for video games totally right Mm -hmm. four directions is pretty standard and that's on uh every that's whether you're in like a town it's whether you're in a house it's the way you can move at the whole entire time of the game yeah and because of this rooms are not laid out in squares they're they can be laid out in like odd geometric yeah, shapes like, to account for that kind of very, that did that throws me off every time me i too. Up this game for the first time in a while yeah. when you walk in like for example for those of you who haven't played the game when you are you see a house or a building and you walk you know at the door and you enter the door you hear the door unlocking sound when you walk into the door it's not like when the screen boots up again that you're at the front of the house and, and <laughs> right, north yeah. is still straight ahead of you, suddenly you just walk, you're walking horizontal now. Right. Left yeah. and right. <laughs> the whole t- And if you go up through another door, you're also going horizontal again. Yes. It's wacky. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that like that, that whole like uh, perspective shift ends up like creating definitely like, a feel to the game mm-hmm. that I think is unique to it. And I would say that this game almost like, and this is, this is unfair to put this on it, but, um, has almost a flash, uh, animation feel to it. Uh, it's much better than that and much more like, it feels much more dense than that. Mm-hmm. 
but in that way that moving around is so easy and effortless it doesn't you don't have to like because you can move in eight different directions you feel more fluid uh, i i i kept uh i kept feeling my d-pad is almost a joystick while playing this game like it's one of those it's one of those games where like precision doesn't matter at all so i was like it, it was it was interesting to just like kind of like uh, observe how squishy that snes d-pad can actually uh-huh. be if you're really just like you know, using like the ball of your thumb to just like rotate it as, a, as opposed to ever lifting, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the last thing I'll say about the graphics that I took notes of here is um, uh, because you see enemies on the field, they have uh, different sprites in battle, which means also every single enemy has to be animated in game on the map and then a completely different sprite for battle. This game is packing some fucking heat yeah. inside of it. It's <laughs> like the biggest SNES game. It's got to be yeah. one of the biggest. Yeah. It's kind of like the Chrono Trigger approach where you're seeing the enemies out in the world. Right. So you can run into them. But even more advanced in Chrono Trigger where the Chrono Trigger had like the detailed sprite out on the map. You see like a smaller version that can do those eight right. directional movements. And then when you're in the combat with him, you see a more detailed version, right? Yes. Yeah. A bigger, more detailed cartoon version yeah. of him. Um, it is actually, you know, very reminiscent of Dragon Quest. I think Dragon Quest yeah. had that st- style to it, which was... Um, but Dragon Quest, uh, until, I don't know how... Until recently, actually, or I guess as, as early as 7, didn't have enemies on the map, right? No, they were random. Yeah. But when you would get in that encounter, it would be these like beautiful sprites, sort of like forward facing you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, that's going to do it for the free portion of this episode. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, if you are listening to this as a Patreon subscriber, hey, thank you so much for the dough. Oh, thank you so much for that. Cha ching. And we will be right back with the rest of the episode. If you are not subscribing to our Patreon, please do. Or, you know, don't and just. You know, like uh, you won't get to hear the rest, and you're gonna want to hear the rest. It gets, oh, it man. gets so good after this. Mm-hmm. You thought that was good? That was nothing. <laughs>